welcome Amit Prasit. Uh, welcome to my show. Uh, so before we get started, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm. Uh, so you know my name. I'm Amit Prasit. Um, so I'm from Kolkata, and uh, right now I'm working at Rakuten uh, in their India office in Bangalore. So apart from that, I am very interested in competitive programming, machine learning, and uh, thank you so much, first of all, uh, to invite me on this show. And uh, it's my pleasure. I would love to interact. I would love to interact with your uh, audience, with uh, with the viewers you have, and would love to know what uh, how I can help them. So yeah, yeah, that's about me. I love uh, solving problems with code, and I I'm I'm a very I I, I run community, so I have a small community where. I uh, mentor some of my juniors as well as uh, like basically I find time apart outside my work to motivate other people to code and learn code and build stuff. So that's it about me and I am still learning and growing. Yeah. All right. Uh, taking from there, um, you are a software engineer in Rakuten, right? So uh, yes, what's, yes. could you please explain us what's actually your role uh, in Rakuten is like which department you work on and what exactly the work you do right right so uh, so uh, first of all uh, i would uh, talk a bit about rakuten so rakuten is uh, e-commerce it's it's actually a multiple domain company it's like cross domain so but mainly they grew up as an e-commerce business out of japan tokyo japan and from e-commerce right now they have multiple businesses starting from finance to sports to um, like a travel and a multiple business. I think uh, I don't know the exact count, but there are more than 70 to 75 different businesses that Rakuten is currently running. Uh, so I am currently working on the e-commerce platform, e-commerce software, and I am a software developer there. So I work for the logistics team and uh, I recently, so, uh, so I worked as an intern at Rakuten and I got, I got the PPO offer. And they offered me a full-time room role, so yeah, I am working as a software developer, there. software engineer. All, right, uh, all right. So, like, uh, this one thing is very curious. Uh, like, I'm very curious about like what is a logistic division? Like, what's the need of a logistic division? I don't even know what logistic is. Right, right, right. Yes. So, uh, first of all, uh, okay. I think. Uh, so so let's let's break down the business of an e-commerce that's very simple e-commerce the pipeline that happens so let's take a simple web, website let's say xyz.com so you go online and you book and you book a small uh, gift item and you buy that on the platform you pay that to a payment platform uh, once that payment is done and so first of all before even booking you go through a lot lists of uh, you know items you want to select right so you buy something, you pay that, uh, it's done from your end. Now everything that was happening online is done. Now the product has to go out from the inventory or whatever, like in terms of, so at Rakuten, we call it warehouse, even at other companies. So if I am open to share company names, am I? Yeah, absolutely. Am I open to sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, there's yeah. no limitations. Uh, okay. So yeah, even Amazon calls their uh, inventories as warehouses. So we have uh, warehouses and warehouses are like, uh, you know, like uh, big go downs. Okay. There are, they are very big go downs where the products are boxed and stored. And whenever you have an order. So initially very long time back, there were manual people who used to pick out that product, uh, whatever item, let's say you gift item, you book, 
go that pick it up wrap that and send it through a courier to your house but uh, as we are uh, automating stuff growing day every day so the number of orders we are getting like any company any e-commerce so especially in this pandemic period everything is online right so the number of orders is huge and uh, doing it manually is not possible so i if i could i, I would uh, love to if you, if you could check out like how recently multiple warehouses were they have robots okay so robots go and pick pick the items from the shelves and they have been programmed in such a way so that everything can be automated like in a huge warehouse there would be maximum 10 to 20 people needed otherwise 90% of the stuff are done by bots and automated algorithms so uh, logistics is that part of uh, entire pipeline where after you book the product uh that product comes to you so all of that part so after the software after the the part basically you cannot see the part which the customer cannot see i book the product that product has to be placed properly that product has to be uh chained properly from different suppliers it has to go to right spots and it has to come to my home or a fulfillment center near me okay so that entire chain where the entire so where the idea hits the road so where the product hits the road it comes down to the road and through trucks to trains planes however it is all the supply management all the logistics all of that that goes after the product is ordered and till you receive it at home at your home so all of that is a part of delivery and logistics all right so uh, like hearing that i exactly kind of uh, resembles it like we uh, read that black box software in, in implementation like where we know right. the first and last word and we don't know the middle one right it is exactly the exactly. same like we don't know anything about how is this being uh, delivered or how is this processing right. how is right. the chain going like uh, you uh, right. pointed out that uh, this so, is about supply chain like what exactly like, if you could, uh, could tell me like what are the name of the phases and what are the importance of that phases are going correct correct got it so yeah i would tell uh, i would definitely love to tell that so what happens um, so so you so have so i i just want to know like have you uh, have we so men most of us have booked products right on uh, online applications right that so we see that this product has been shipped so there are stages a product has to be shipped first so the shipping is a stage where the product has been identified in the warehouse and uh, basically from the warehouse it has been uh, left so basically the item has left the warehouse basically yeah. uh, it has left the warehouse and it's ready to ready to go right all right ready all right, right. Um, sorry to interrupt but uh, let's take an example suppose i ordered a right. book from a particular right. uh, uh, like let's take flipkart or amazon i ordered a book cool and uh, that will right. uh, that they said that will come after 15 days so Could you take me uh, take me the process of this 15 days journey? Correct. So what happens? Ah, uh, okay, cool. So first of all, I would uh, first of all you book the you book the uh, uh, book your uh, your uh, hard book, right? So then you so the order basically goes to the merchant. So whoever is selling the book, let's say some kind X Y Z publications. So they are selling the book. They have. they have uh, they they have a merchant signed application of rakuten or amazon or whatever it is uh, merchant side application of that so they get the product do you think someone is sitting there and accepting it no it's completely automated so they get the product 
and they say uh, they, they check that whether that product is uh, uh, available or not anywhere so now there is an so there everything is 90% of it is software automated so i am sitting at kolkata right now and it would check that what is the closest inventory what is the closest warehouse near to me that has that product why do i check for the closest because the closest i find the faster the delivery will be and the uh, lesser cost it will be for the company because the more delivery cost i bear it's my loss the company's loss because Absolutely. i cannot take 1000 rupees from the customer right because the customer has a limit of paying so uh, so yeah so i'll check what is the closest warehouse to the customer and once that is found that is located that all of this happens automatically once that is located a notification or some kind of uh, prompt is sent to that warehouse and that item is located and packed now there are algorithms at rakuten that automate all of this packing and stuff also like you book three items we book three books and uh, uh, you order three books and all of those three books has to be binded together like binded as in packed together right so packed together you have to um, you know like stamping has to be done like where it has to go batch yeah you have to batch the items like one truck would go to the eastern part of the country uh, eastern part of the state one truck would go to the western part so from those warehouses they are shipped to smaller zones smaller delivery zones so these delivery zones are like temporary places so these places so okay i i didn't explain this so once they are packed and the stamp the stamping is done uh that there's a notification being sent to the customer that your product has been shipped yeah right yeah. now once the product has been shipped once the product has been shipped an invoice will be generated what is an invoice so basically invoice is like a bill or a, a very formal bill that ensures that your product i am going to sell your product and that's for sure and this is the receipt for that so the invoice is generated and that gener that is generated only after the item is released because there can be multiple things like for example i my my software is not able to understand so so let's say in the warehouse i have five books that you want okay F stock of five books that you want but uh, when uh, when uh, so when the books are selected from the warehouse shelves or whatever it is wherever it's stored while the inspection process there are there can be scanners or things involved uh, while the inspection process you find out that the books are burnt or books are you know like not in a good condition to be you know delivered to you uh, so in that case we cannot give you an invoice because we can only give you an invoice if i sell you the product so only if the product is shipped successfully then only i'll give you an invoice so in that case what will i do i'll delay you delay the process and once the new newer supplies come in or it can be either i can wait for a new supply or i can change the warehouse i can go for a, a next warehouse which has the items you are your order you have ordered so that's the process that happens at the back end for the warehouse and now the once the item is released once the item goes on the road and uh, so they can be like if it's interstate you you can take flights they can be most probably as far as i know like amazon uses flights rakuten uses flights for interstate intercountry as well uh, trains i'm not very sure uh, but anyway that's 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 not uh, what we are focusing here uh, so the product basically hits the road and they come to uh, temporary delivery zones okay so temporary delivery zones are nothing but you can you can think of it as an hierarchy hierarchy right from the warehouse it comes to multiple de uh, delivery zones 
so delivery zones this uh, basically distribute the items based on the district so based on the address they distribute on the district so after that it's sent to either the local distributor local distributor units or you know like the authorized people who either would be of amazon or of uh, let's say there are there are delivery units like e cart and some people are like who come to your home and deliver so they are third party people uh, who go to your home and deliver so they are these things are handed over to them so at every stage as they go on so we just keep on updating the customer that this product is in this stage yeah 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 i absolutely okay. saw that i absolutely right. saw that so the updates that happen they are completely automated so whenever a product is received the uh, there is there is an acknowledgement being sent from that unit and that acknowledgement is being sent back to the server and that server tells that this product you ordered and you have acknowledged and and we have acknowledged it and this product is currently at this place so that's the status now um right so right now the product is at your delivery zones now i'll i'll tell about a little bit specialized about rakuten so rakuten even amazon has this um, they are called fulfillment zones right so what is a fulfillment zone so uh, when you go to us or some places us and japan so uh, this is not much prevalent in india but fulfillment zones are like let's say you want the product but you you work at a office or uh, you go to an university Uh, you study basically and you cannot stay at home why you cannot accept the product at home so what you would do the delivery people would go and drop your product at a fulfillment center later yeah, I, on I, I, know that, I know time. that i know that because uh, right. i was checking out a uh, university of southern california and uh, one uh, right. guy was uh, there for their masters and he uh, told me that uh, he was picking up his uh, stuff from amazon uh, like like there was lots of containers center. and Uh, like lockers, right, right. lock exactly. kind of locker stuff. Perfectly, absolutely like that. Absolutely like that. So, uh, so the so your item would be, uh, uh, you know, a person is carrying that right because once you're in the road, it has to be manual. A person has to go out. There has to be a postman or something like that, who's uh, taking your stuff. And for every stuff, the postman is instructed that this is your locker number. So take your book. This is the Dib's book. You take that book and put it in locker number one twenty three. so he puts that in locker 123 it opens up and it puts it in now later on uh, later on when i go whenever i am free whenever i have the time to go to that fulfillment center i'll go and pick it up from there right now all, right. all of this stuff like like all of this stuff locker number 123 why not 124 because if i somehow put it if if the person somehow puts it to 124 that item might never be found like there would be a huge mis- mistake right i will go i'll check 123 i'll not get that product i cannot open 124 because that is not my locker so all of this is part of algorithms softwares uh, find out like when would locker would open up when when would it be available for booking so uh, i would sit on uh, like just of algorithms work beneath the all of this and uh, including payment including uh, delivery including uh, graph algorithms which find out like what is the optimum uh, path you know like should be followed or maybe what is the closest warehouse uh, so things like that lots of algorithms work in and uh, behind the scenes we don't get to know but i think uh, if you are so so i think i think the idea is pretty much clear now so yeah, what absolutely. happens after you book the product and goes uh, goes to you but i would i would highlight that um, 
you can create a simple application you can create a simple website but i think logistics is the part where uh, 90% of e-commerce websites suffer the most you know like if you do not deliver the product uh, at the right time so i recently came across this uh, hong kong based uh, or south korea based i'm not sure so i recently came across this company who promised that if you book a uh, if you book a product to, today at night by 11 or 12 we will deliver it tomorrow by 7 am in the morning at your doorstep yeah. so that's a huge challenge they are taking and they are able to take that challenge because i'm not sure where they are operating but their city is small their town is small right uh, they are able to do that so i think 90% so you can create a huge website you can contact a lot of merchants but delivering the product so everything is software till then right everything is software but when the software meets real life when the software meets you know when you have real interactions when you have external world interactions that's when things get complicated so logistics delivery unit um, supply management all of that unit manages and deals with that stuff all right all right uh, here's a interesting yeah. story like uh, when i was in yeah. uh, my th- third year no i guess in my second year uh, i i also want to started a e-commerce business and i also had an investor but i okay. uh, at at back back then i didn't i wasn't very sure that i would pull this off so i uh, okay. uh, gave it up and i didn't know okay. there's a lots of like i had customers i had lots of customers but i didn't have any idea how can i deliver the, the product at the right time now after 3 years i came to understand there is a lots of supply chain uh, management chain is going Definitely. on and logistics and going on that i if i was started back then doing this i might not have pulled this out because i didn't have the capacity of doing this logistics things all by myself so it's kind of really hard we can we can you know what we can actually pull it off so that's you, uh, you must have known uh, so i would not name them but there are several startups which are doing this kind of business like for example in bangalore uh, when i used to stay at bangalore so you book and you tell me so so i would say that i have left my uh so they your mother has cooked a food for me so i would call these guys i would say that pick that food from your place and bring it to my place. so some there are people who are doing just this business just the logistics business so all you right. can understand that such a huge business is a part of another business all so right, right. there's definitely lots of complexities involved and when you're doing it at a huge scale so when you're delivering out you know like thousands and thousands of order every day it has to be systematic it has there has to be some there has to be some processes followed and some kind of reportings involved so it automatically becomes complicated yeah yeah, yeah so exactly that's, that's, uh, like uh, one uh, like i recently came across one uh, i guess that was uh, in delhi like delivery or uh, something i guess that's the name delivery. i guess yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they uh, you i guess you were uh, interning with one of them like delivery or something i was no no no, no. It's, uh, i it might think, not I be think, you it uh, might be one of our senior i interviewed for them yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. i interviewed for them yeah it's, yeah so they were doing this logistics business and i was checking out their website and right. they were doing this exact same thing and i didn't know the importance of this logistics until now when you have explained okay. this so much well uh, so uh, okay. like uh, so my next question is obvious that uh, like you are working with lots of data right how can you handle right, that right right okay so first of all <laughs> data is like oil in this generation yeah right so 
data is the most precious information to any company any big companies usually google is google just 90% because of its data right you they can follow everything we are doing uh yeah so so at big companies or at at companies there are softwares that handle big data and uh, in terms of big data i mean petabytes of data so you have softwares which 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 stream large number of data let's say multi processing they use multi processing and uh, you know like large they have large pipelines where uh, lots of data come in they have an etl tool where the extraction happens processing happens and they are transformed so if i want to uh, name some of them you have hadoop you have kafka uh, apache has i think i think your audience would uh, most probably would know about apache it's like a very big yeah yeah After, um, I, I was thinking that uh, that that's uh, i was reading that uh, apache and spark i guess that's the name right 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 so spark is one of the tool that is uh, like so these are there are multiple tool there is not one there is no one single tool uh, that can manage all of it so you have different tools for different stages of that pipeline so when a data comes in first and foremost you want to process you, before even processing you want to store that somewhere you want to store it in a warehouse so that in future if you need it you can access it so while a copy of that is gets stored somewhere parallelly you are processing a chunk of that chunk by chunk you are processing it and processing it and doing something with that and that can be anything that can be analytic analyzing that that can be uh, running algorithms on that that can be doing machine learning on that it can be uh, anything it can be a lot of things All so right. i think yeah there are like uh, there are huge teams there are data engineering teams at uh, companies like uh, like big companies that deal with data um, we have uh, data engineers so they, this new term has evolved recently it's called data engineers and apart from data science and uh, you know machine learning engineers data engineer is a new term that has a new role i would say that has evolved just because we are working with so much data every day so data engineering i'm not very sure about the thing but uh, it's as far as i've heard from my network and they have told like it's it's more about cleaning data uh making it ready for use basically so that engineers machine learning engineers and uh, data scientists could work with that all right all right yeah. uh, so like uh, you have stated that uh, there these uh, new things are coming up like data engineers and we had always known that data scientists and machine learning engineers uh, and you were you were also involved in lots of machine learning uh, like programs and uh, like communities right. like you were in google ml facilitator and you uh, were mentoring in uh, tensorflow like uh, could you tell me how that uh, how's that sure. experience help you becoming who you are right now right right definitely so uh, machine learning was something uh, i learned I, i started learning when i was in my second year of undergraduate and um, so it was uh, so so i started uh, machine learning with a simple course on uh, it's it's a very simple course on coursera i guess uh, andrew and you have heard about him yeah i, I am right? doing that i am doing that right now i am doing that right now oh that's great like that's i, I great. was so thinking I started about like that course i was thinking about like should i uh, do this because i don't know octave and uh, i guess python is much more beneficial for me but i still went, right. went up doing this right 
I also had that same doubt when I started. But right now, I think uh, there are many courses that help you get started in machine learning. But when I started, you know, like two years, three years back, there were like comparatively lesser courses and let, lesser resources available online. Nowadays, too, there are so many thing everything is available online uh, so the, i i found that post trustworthy to start with uh, so that that was my start journey and from that i uh, went into uh, you know like uh, developing some projects and got an internship at a small uh, startup startup company in uh, out of delhi yeah that was zyker right i worked with them yes that was zyker and so that that's how it started initially i started my learning and went into internships doing internships and i was later on noticed by uh, so talking about um, first i would talk about google uh, that you mentioned so i was uh, noticed by uh, like it's a, it's a, so so companies like some of the companies have uh, you know like community leaders so google had a community leader and she noticed me and uh, reached out to me regarding they have the program going on so she asked me if i'm interested i want to enroll for that or not so they i i enrolled it and they selected they had an interview we had an interview uh, it the program was called explore ml and i think this year also it's probably happening once again so i would i would give you the link to that i would uh, give you the link to that you can put it along with this description or wherever people who are, might find it interesting so i applied for that i got selected and around around 80 to 90 people were selected from a country so from there i so they 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 took us to their uh, bangalore office google's bangalore office and we they, we interacted with lots of uh, google engineers and they trained us on some of the tools that people that that we, basically uh, they trained us in a way so that we train other people right so we were a medium to train other people so that's why we were called like facilitators and instructors so that they taught us some of the things and how things happen at google so we got to learn a lot as well there and we came out of that and like there were facilitators from each part all over the country and we went back to our universities and neighboring universities we taught our people uh, like we taught our classmates we taught our batchmates about machine learning and that was the main core main main uh, you know the main vision of google to spread uh, machine learning awareness to everyone uh, especially in our age group and then i uh, then there was this uh, very interesting open source uh, you know like open source what do you so uh, have you heard of open source gsoft like google summer of code yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so i google have summer, i heard that right so google summer of code is a basically an open source uh, software development uh, festival i would say not exactly festival but an event open source software development like kind of like a boot camp uh, uh, not exactly a boot camp i would say an event where like there are lots of applications coming in they get selected and let's say 50 people are selected and they work with companies right they work virtually with companies so uh, a senior from our college they work he worked with sugar labs and uh, so there are multiple companies so even google uh, enroll themselves so there are let's say 100 companies they have small requirements software requirements and they want people to work on that so they register they get shortlisted and uh, they work on those projects in a in a collaborative environment all over the world since it's completely virtual 
uh, they get to work completely like global people. So my teammate could be from New Zealand, my teammate could be from New York. So uh, it's it's really amazing. And uh, the great thing is after you complete that program, if you could successfully complete it, so there's a very good certificate that Google gives by themselves from themselves, and there's some some of money as well uh, as a price. So that's cool, but that thing has a restriction. So you need to be at least 17 years, I guess, 17 or 18 to register for that. So Google also introduced this program called Google Coding, C-O-D-E-I-N. So in this program, what they focused on preschool students. So basically school students, uh, so preschool as in don't take it in Indian sense, you in US and other outside, they call school as the college as the school. So preschool means for us, it's the school students. So they wanted school students to learn coding to, uh, you know, like to interact into open source uh, development, open source contribution. So Google coding is the platform that is equivalent to Google summer of code, but for people under the age of 16 and 17. So we had a lot of, uh, you know, like amazing, pretty amazing kids. And they were so excited to code and they were pretty good. I would say like uh, they were very good. And I, I, I found that opportunity very interesting. So I wanted to interact how, uh, like, you know, like the kids of uh, next generation, they're coming up. So I wanted to know how cool they are. Like, so I uh, signed up for mentorship and I reached out to uh, Google TensorFlow product manager. So, uh, so at uh, Google California, the Tensor, basically the TensorFlow is, a, uh, TensorFlow is a product of Google and they have a product manager there. So I reached out to her and she said, yes, sure. Like, uh, we would love to have a mentor for this. And they had a few mentors there. So uh, they selected me as a mentor. And uh, yeah, that was it. I was basically uh, interacting with a lot of students there. Uh, you know, like, I remember one student, he developed this interesting thing called, you know, like, uh, I the most interesting thing about those students was the curiosity they have to learn new things. Like, those things even that much curiosity even we don't have like people more above our age like elderly people they don't have that much curiosity like they have done so much like they are learning so much they are constantly asking questions and they're like telling i'm developing this so so this guy was really interesting i came across him so he developed this quiz on tensorflow so it's not much technically highly difficult but he basically developed a quiz application he collected a set of questions only on TensorFlow. So if someone is learning TensorFlow, he can use that application uh, to judge how much he knows TensorFlow. Basically domain-based question from TensorFlow, he collected that in a simple Excel sheet and he created a small application, small Android application to, you know, take data from that sheet and just just a simple quiz application, like an NCQ question type of application. It was so cool. Like uh, he, sh uh, he shared it with me. I was, I really liked it. Like, also, there are other people who uh, were uh, introduced to GitHub for the first time, uh, who didn't know to how to uh, raise up pull requests, how to write commits. So yeah, that's that's that was really a nice experience for me to interact with the young people who are going to be the next generation of engineers. Yeah, wow. Like uh, I know uh, I know this for a fact. Like uh, when I we were like on that that stage, we never had these opportunities and. I am Definitely. very happy that uh, our education system has already uh, put this plan on their na national education policy uh, for uh, like preschool students learn coding. And I'm really glad right. that they already have mentors like you uh, to help them. 
and uh, all this open source okay. project. Yeah. I just wish, I just wish if I had these kinds of uh, people with me, I should True, have man. started that. But here we are. Like the guy. I we every like I think this is uh, like why don't I don't know like we feel like if we had a proper guidance maybe two or three years back so we would have been at a different place right now so yeah. I think that is very like like but I, I mean it's it's great to see such companies like big companies coming up and helping focusing on that part of the education like small students because I think after ten years after five years even coding is going to be more important than uh, you know like English. Like, yeah, exactly. As like, much it's, as it's, are... it's very important right now. Like I was seeing that video of Nas Daily, and he said okay. after twenty yeah. years, each and every person either high either have to learn coding or have to right. do something that makes them employable because everything a right. lots of job. Like there's a exactly the uh, like what's the term the the high class people, middle class people. And uh, like uh, that was the name of no class people or not class. They they no class. They they don't have jobs because lots of jobs are going to be automated. Like he was doing that. Uh, over 13 million drivers in this world, and they are going to lose okay. job because of this autonomous driving. So okay. Okay. they they, they yeah. also have and that's only is happening because of this coders. So if people start coding right. from very early age like uh, a lots of countries are doing that will be really good yeah and i think that's kind of an opportunity also for us like uh, not only us because the people who are coming up because you know like we had we 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 started learning coding coming at college or at school right so if somehow like we understood like that is where our world is going so we are headed towards that generation where you have to know coding coding has to be another language apart from english hindi whatever language you know you should know at least some little bit of coding right yeah you have so, to understand what is going on exactly exactly and if you could so you know like solving problems writing code they take a different mindset they take a different mindset outside the up, uh, like away from the external world and if somehow you could bring in that mindset earlier in the age like for young people who are quite earlier in their career i think they'll get much more time to develop themselves and that's definitely very positive yeah uh, i exactly uh, the way you said that uh, i just remember the thing bill gates said that bill gates said that a uh, coding uh, like helped me imagine things in a different way that I couldn't have do it with if I didn't know coding. So uh, it was really, right. it was really like grateful for me because I, like my school, like high school, didn't have a computer science major. So I had to go for to okay. biology. And when I started my right. college, I started my first programming language when I was already 18. So that was, okay. that was 18. But if our new education policies or all over the world people start coding from at least 10 or 12 years old that will be really great definitely and i think uh, we would see innovation at a different scale at that point yeah yeah because exactly. as new people come in and they have such innovative thinking so much curiosity so the way we think is very different from the way people younger than us think yeah so I think exactly we are going to see like uh yeah exactly the thing like you actually the this is the very the, the very first thing i was uh, meaning to ask you that you have told me that you have uh, done machine learning stuff uh, so i was asking you that 
if a complete beginner like if this is if this is a high school kid is watching this and he wants to right. start machine learning uh he like the right now point is either you have to go coursera or udemy or go to an higher education where you can learn machine learning uh, from the very scratch right. but in future right. there might not be a need for higher education and lots of people might not want that higher education like right. lots of people does doesn't so what's your right. best advice right. for them to start on machine learning uh, on this data yes. analysis stuff definitely definitely so to be a proper machine learner i think like like lots of people are straight away recently jumping into machine learning doing courses and since there are so many courses available now on the internet people are uh, jumping on them and building projects with that without knowing how it's coming from so machine learning uh, is a field that was there 60 years back or i am not sure with the number but long time back in the 90s and 80s right and it it has been there it's not something new right so but the thing is just because our computation became cheaper so we have faster uh, access to cpus and things that are for a less less amount of money and they are, they have got cheaper so we can do it at home right we can do machine learning on our personal laptop that was not possible at a let's say 10 years back so uh, that is why this field emerged got a boom suddenly but i think uh to be a proper machine learning engineer or a data scientist you should know the fundamentals very well and by fundamentals i mean i mean uh, linear algebra is one statistics is two and uh, and the language like python or r so that will help you code those algorithms or maybe write those visualizations python or r and many people ask why when python when r i would say there's no nothing like that just go with the one you want Uh, where which one you feel comfortable so for me i chose python because i found that i i already knew a bit of python and i thought it's easier for me if i learn more on that which i know rather than starting something new so but i am completely completely uh, you know like support people who are learning by r instead of python and uh, it's 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 not at all debatable like both have very good community support so yeah like these three things are main and once you have these three things uh, done very well even if not very well because linear algebra is something uh, linear algebra calculus these are something you already learn in your school right like 11 and 12 standard you learn them you just need to brush them up and add a few more concepts and right now on youtube and online there are really good channels really good uh, people who are teaching uh, linear algebra like for example 3b1 uh, 3 3 black 1 blue no no 3 blue one uh, grand sanderson grand san right so so uh, so they they have very good linear algebra courses and you can even take courses on coursera udemy so for for learning statistics and you don't have to be a master at that but understanding a bit of what is happening uh, what is basically happening what are the basic theorems that would help you understand the algorithms in machine learning and machine learning is completely based on maths so if you don't know the maths if you just think you can import libraries and uh, you know like import libraries and use them train your data so at some point of time you would not be able to progress further and you would not be able to understand what's happening so i would suggest people to take some time let's say one month two months three months to understand the maths behind it and then take two months to learn the language very well 
and if you learn the language very well you will be writing much more efficient code and if there are 100 100 engineers applying for a job or giving a test top 10 engineers would only write efficient code so if you know the language very well if you know how to use the language properly language is nothing just a tool right so you can use java you can use r you can use python they are just like tools to write the algorithm so take take that tool as something you need to learn in let's say one or two months and learn it very well and use that tool uh, to write algorithms and that's it so there are lots of courses online for learning basics of machine learning nowadays and i think uh, like just a google they are just a google search away so yeah, yeah. that's so it like, uh, like and uh, definitely another yeah yeah just uh, one addition i would say uh, build projects so once you're done with that don't just stop and go apply for com- apply to companies build projects you know so every algorithm that you learn try to apply them there is a website called kaggle.com where you get problem uh, you know like example problems every week they every week they have uh, contests i think not even every week there are concurrent contests they keep on happening and you have contests so just just take a contest participate in it take the data set they even provide you free data set take the data set and try to build a model on that and see how accurate you are how good you are writing algorithms code so also you'll get to learn from other people uh, the code is openly available everyone's code is openly available you can learn from that so yeah that's i think would be the key to learning machine learning in let's say all of this would take maybe if done properly 6 uh, to 7 months all right all right uh, because i i just recently started on uh, machine learning because my domain is actually uh, virtual simulation and i wanted my right. like stuffs to automate it like uh, i actually wanted to make a self driving car uh, using deep learning and uh, when i started deep learning learning uh, on deep learning that is like i didn't know uh, what is this artificial neural network is doing what is conventional neural network is doing and i didn't know what is happening so i oh, thought okay uh, let's have a machine learning background and uh, huh. start from the basic so this answer actually helped me as well um one of the thing you have talked is uh, like doing projects uh, obviously you have done a lots of projects you have done uh, udacity uh, course also so uh, i saw one of your course uh, like uh, that was i guess uh, breast cancer implementation or using deep learning uh, so right, would you like right. to talk about that sure sure so that was uh, that was a co- that was a project that was uh, funded and supported by ieee computer society so they they basically supported us it was a, it was an inter college team so a few people from so basically few colleges from uh, kolkata were selected and teams were formed cross college teams were formed and we were given individual topics so that's the topic we selected for so the topic was uh, basically we had to develop a uh, algorithm a model a hypothesis basically uh, you would get uh, i how would i present this so uh, if 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 you if you uh, when while while when we have cancer or when uh, not sorry when patients have cancer and they have histopathological scans right so scans of the tumor cells and they look pretty much colorful and uh, you know the cells have uh, it's it's like deep skin level uh, scans and uh, they they basically say where is the inflammation where is the tumor and what is the state of that tumor how much spread it is 
right so they are called histopathological scan reports so these reports are used by physicians doctors to see the state of the cancer like is it very uh, is it what kind of state like um, is it um, in a bad state is it going to you know like in uh, carcinoma what can there are like different states like passive active what kind of cancer it is it's going to spread it's malignant right non malignant so this is what the physicians doctors do from their experience because they have learned about it they have been trained properly uh, with the proper schooling for that doctor schooling for that and they do it out of experience uh, so why not why cannot we train a machine to do that like what if uh, we thought like what if we give the machine enough examples like let's say this is a report and this is a malignant cancer and this is a report and this is a uh, non malignant tumor so if we could create enough number of mappings for that and if we could create uh, you know like create patterns from that right if we could create patterns from that uh, input um, reports maybe we can train our machine train our algorithm to understand like given any kind of report approximately could you tell me what kind of uh, cancer it is whether it's really dangerous or whether we have time to treat that uh, what stage it is in so we built an algorithm on that and we got the data from a very trusted source uh, basically ieee only helped us in getting that uh, we trained our model and we got an accuracy of 89.2% and that was at par with the state of the art model at that time uh, 3 years 2.5 years back so right now there are better algorithms that do that thing uh, but taking much more computational power so that was what we did and uh, we also developed a, a very simple application uh where you would just drop in your histopathological rep report as a png file or jpg file inside that application and it would just tell you it would take around one or two minutes to predict it because it's it's quite a complex algorithm that goes behind and after one or two minutes it would give you a report like uh, uh what stage of cancer it is so the main uh, thought process we had behind it was uh, you know like there can be uh, uh true positive true negatives true positives right for example the doctor does some mistake the doctor does some mistake in understanding uh, the cancer and he says that you have 3 months to treat this but maybe the cancer is really in a bad state right and uh, the person doesn't get that much time and somehow sadly unfortunately he dies so what if we had a we do not want to replace the doctors but experience humans have errors so what if we could use a second level of check so maybe our system could use uh, maybe after checking with the doctors we can bring in our system to do a cross check and if both of them agree that uh, on a decision so go ahead with that so that was our approach and um, very happily we also won uh, with that project we won technergize which is a competition which is a hackathon organized by ictly and at that was we were the national winner so there were teams from nit bits pilani uh, so people uh, like there were really cool projects so i remember one project which was a drowsiness detection so basically uh, drivers truck drivers uh, if they, after driving for long hours uh, the eyes generally uh, tend to close there is some kind of drowsiness sleepiness involved so whenever there would be some uh, drowsiness uh, your eyes would be closing a bit there would be an alarm that would be going up 
and basically you would have to set up camera in front of the driver uh, you know the window panel the window panel and that was a project like that so drowsiness detection and there were other really cool projects so gladly we won that and uh, i think the drowsiness was came the runner up yeah 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 so that actually was i was i was looking into that uh, website and i actually saw each and every one of the project and your project uh, was very interesting and i saw the drowsiness project and one other project was interesting that uh, i guess they have built a robot to uh, generate 3d maps from unknown uh, terrains or something right uh, yes i do not remember it's like long back but most probably yes like there were many projects more than 10 yeah, 12 yeah it, it was 10, really, 12 i would say less lots of projects yeah it was yeah. really fascinating for me because uh, we all are self taught like whatever you are doing right now or you have done you are a self taught person like you have done courses for uh, like coursera and udemy and udacity uh, and it's really like it's really inspi- inspiring that people who are seeing this know that they don't have to go to another college to learn this they can learn this on their own and even if they have an option to go to a college they don't have to even uh, people who are like like a lot older than us like 40 or 35 on their age and they want to do something different on their life they don't have an option to go to another college or university they can learn this on their own so this is a really uh, great explanation from your side and uh, right. i'm really happy that uh, you came to my show and uh, explain all this stuff thank you so uh, much for inviting me uh, it's it's actually my pleasure so i will be ending this uh, with a last question like uh, sure. like give us any advice for the absolute beginners uh, doesn't matter to who are in their age uh like maybe they are 40 okay. maybe they are 10 it doesn't matter who are doing going to in this software engineering and this machine learning industry what will be your best advice for them uh be curious keep learning i would suggest like software engineering or you know machine learning or anything that's anyone who's a developer any kind of developer you have to keep learning you have to like this is a field uh, i i have heard from my parents that doctors engineers uh, lawyers these are three of the top professions where you have to keep learning no matter what is your age so you have to keep on skilling up yourself and i think as a developer you are constantly developing something new or something new that is at least new for yourself uh you're building new things so you have to learn every day so always compare yourself with yourself don't compare yourself with someone else so compare yourself with who you were yesterday and see if you are growing any how if you are growing uh, so be curious keep on learning and um, that's it don't uh, shy away from challenges you will definitely succeed All right, all right. Thanks, Amit Pagi. Thanks for coming to my show. And I guess uh, each and every one, uh, like each and every one who, who will be seeing this or who are seeing this, uh, might get enough value from their side. Thank you, thank you so much for coming to this show. Thank you so much, Devdeep. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right, all right. All the best. Right. Happy coding to everyone. Yeah, all, yeah. All thanks. the best to everyone. Happy coding. Yeah. All right.